0: Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another episode of Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, the Senior Vice President of Sales here at Biostar Renewables, and... Make sure you hit that follow or like button, depending on where you listen to your podcast and keep tuning into the episodes. Thank you to all of our listeners who continue to tune in week after week. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, uh, but super excited about this week's episode with Saloni Doshi, the CEO of Eco and Close, CEO and Chief Sustainability Geek, I should say. I love that title. Uh, Saloni, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it's a pleasure to have you here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about our conversation.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, as always, we kind of just dive in and and set the stage um, with your background and and sort of your journey to ultimately becoming the CEO of Eco and Close.
0: Yeah, um, it was a I guess a meandering journey. Um, so. I guess I'll start by saying that so my husband and I both own Eco and Close together and we actually bought the business back in 2015. When we bought it, it was tiny. It was like four people big and just like one product line at the time. Um, and I'll say sort of before that, um, I have you know a background that's all in like first strategy, business strategy. And then I went and actually worked for Teach for America for quite some time and got this sort of understanding of how like business strategy applies very nicely to any social justice movement that you're trying to make because you're sort of like strategy is just important no matter what. Right. So that, and that was an interesting journey for me. And then um, I went to business school and at business school, I really went deep in social enterprise, right? Like what does it look like for businesses to be at the forefront of social and environmental progress? And then after business school, I started a um, food justice uh, social enterprise focused on like healthy food access in, um, you know, underserved communities and that was a venture that was incredibly mm-hmm. rewarding. Um, shut it down after a couple of years, just weren't, wasn't getting the traction we needed. Then I worked in sustainable agriculture for some time, helping farms transition from monocrop to um, organic, you know, sort of per- like uh, polycrops for farming. And around that time, after I was doing it for quite, uh, for a few years, Kyle started, my husband started looking like, he's like, I just want to buy a business. Like I want to put down roots and like run something like his dad did in his hometown. And, um, it happens to be that the business that was most exciting was eco and close. And it's like, okay, well, this is sort of a no brainer for us because it is like, you're, we're building a more sustainable packaging line. Like how does it, what does it look like to make packaging more sustainable? But every every year we serve like 20, 30,000 companies. And so a large part of the job is like talking to businesses of all sizes, right? Like one person businesses to household name brands and you're talking to them and like getting to talk about their business strategy and where does sustainability play in and Mm -hmm. how can they make, a package work and how do they adjust their operations? So it's like a very good intersection of what I've always been passionate about. So that. Okay. So a bit of a basically,
1: no-brainer. Salona, you should be the host of our podcast because <laughs> we have uh, a- episodes coming up on like pretty much everything you just touched. Uh, we have a lot of really cool episodes coming up Well, I should definitely be a listener. Justice. So
0: I will be. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: No, I appreciate that. But food justice is a super interesting topic we've been touching on a little bit. And um, you know, we obviously have interests in uh, landfill diversion and organic, um, you know, renewable gas projects that we're developing. So super interesting to hear that. And I've seen, it seems like so many amazing entrepreneurs are sort of come out of that teach for America program. Um, and I, I seem just to catch that as a trend. So that's really cool and interesting how that probably informed, um, some of your journey. So, yeah, definitely. um, yeah. Well, thank you for that. And so talk about a little bit, just kind of high level, like tell us what Eco Enclosed does, talk about, and then I want to get into the impact of packaging and its contribution to our waste problem. Cause that we talk so much on the show about waste, whether it's organic waste or recycling or plastic recycling, you know, there's all these different waste streams and and we know that the landfills are filling up. So um, tell us a little bit about eco enclosed, just high level, and then let's sort of set the stage um, with kind of the the impact of packaging on our waste issues.
0: Yeah. So first, what does eco enclosed do? So um, we serve largely e-commerce brands, so direct to consumer brands that, you know, if you think about like Patagonia and Prana are, you know, household name brands, a version of companies that are like they're trying to do everything right when they make their products, right? Like let's be ethical, let's be sustainable. And then for a long time, they, if they were to ship products to their customers, it would be in like a virgin polymailer. Poly And it's like so disconnected with the brand and the values that they're trying to achieve. And so we exist to sort of support that type of customer to ship in ways that they can be proud of, right? So it's like you put all this effort into your product, be proud of how you ship. So what that looks like for us is not just a lot of what we do day to day is just like sell, manufacture, distribute, print on packaging and get it out to customers. But at its core, what it really means is that like we're trying to look at every way that you can ship a product like boxes, mailers whether it's plastic or paper, whatever you need, like, how do we make sure that we're taking that option and making it at the cutting edge of sustainability? And so every year, hopefully, people who who work with us um, know that, like, every year, we're coming out with new innovations that try to bring our packaging closer to our ideal of, like, ultimate material circularity. And you sort of touched on, like, why is this a big deal? I mean, I think if somebody's listening to this, they probably sort of viscerally understand that packaging is a big deal. Um, but why it's so, you know, why it actually is, it's, you know, if you think about land or waste in general that we create, like 30% of it is packaging, which mm-hmm. to me is like mind blowing, right? You're like, of the waste that we create, 30% of it is like just packaging, single use items. And, um, you know, 65% across the country of our waste goes into the landfill. And so presumably a lot of that packaging goes into the landfill and you mentioned space. And I think in addition to space, I always say like the more important, almost in some ways, the more important part. is like if you think about each package, the amount of like raw energy, raw materials, water, pollution, like all the carbon that was created to make that package it just used once and then it like sits in the landfill to like maybe rot away. It's just like mind blowing to me. So you have these valuable resources locked up in packaging that shouldn't be landfill bound. So that's one issue. And then the other big issue is like landfill emissions being, you know, the third largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and, you know, very much an environmental justice problem, you know, the more you look into it and you're like, okay, all of the pollution, all of the wastewater leak like leachate is happening in the lowest income communities that are the ones that can't advocate for themselves and say, I don't want the landfill put next to me. And so there's just like all these hosts of issues. So, you know, I think about like the future of circular packaging starts to address both of those concerns simultaneously, right? Like let's capture the resource value that's in that packaging and turn it into something else over and over and over again. And let's like not have landfills be a solution because they just wreak havoc on the environment and the communities that live near them
1: yeah absolutely and one that gets me just to draw a parallel to what you said a minute ago on the food waste side as we talk about all the time how much food goes to waste I think it's somewhere around forty percent and then the one that really gets me is think how much water it took oh. to grow all that food and then forty percent or more of it just goes into the trash and into the landfill it's just amazing to think about. Um, and I, I like that term circular packaging because ultimately that's the solution, right? So, um, you, you talk about on your website, um, you call it rigorous sustainability standards. And I love that. Talk about what that means and what does it take to meet your standards and packaging?
0: I'll say that when you sent me the notes and I was like, I saw it and I was like, oh, it's a little bit of a like lame business-y term. So I almost like, God, should I have used that? But um, but it is the right term, I think, for how we're thinking about packaging. Not I'll lame say, like, at all. It is, it is a little bit, I was like, maybe I could be more um, real or, or sort of street word for that. But anyway, um, I, uh, yeah, like I would say like about, I'd say from the very beginning, we have been committed to sustainability. And then about four years ago, the landscape the landscape of e-commerce packaging did start to expand and a lot more people started offering it. And you saw like everybody from like Uline to Amazon offering things and calling it quote unquote sustainable. Mm-hmm. And it, so you started to have this like plethora of labels on the market And it just seemed like everybody could say something was sustainable, right? You could say something's curbside recyclable and something like this is an eco green package. And that was when I think I was like, we got to put some standards together because not just from a marketing perspective, but like we got to stand for something here. And at that point, we made our framework for sustainable packaging. So what is it that we're driving towards? And as at the highest level, it's like we want packaging, whether it's ours or everybody's in like 10, 15, 20 years to be truly circular, which means it's like all packaging is made from packaging. And or when you can't have it be recycled from packaging, the inputs that are going into it are truly regenerative, right? Not just like renewable the way that a lot of renewables today are non-regenerative. Um so that's like the vision we build towards. So then we sort of scaffold that into like what we what we're trying to do. So the first is a hundred percent recycled wherever possible, high, high levels of PCR. The second is recyclability, but also in particular. Let me, let me interrupt
1: you real quick. Yeah. I have to uh I have to ask. It's yes. one of my rules um, on the acronyms. What's PCR? Oh, I'm
0: so sorry. No um, worries. Yeah. So so 100% recycled is what we say. And then, 100, and then as much of that as possible coming from post-consumer waste, which Perfect. is the waste that's coming from people's blue bins, which is the waste that is hardest for- our recycling supply chain to sell. And so the more that we can do to make markets for that particular type of recycled content, the more that you can actually, as a household, recycle things at home, which yep. is sort of the circular vision we're all going for.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Uh, yeah. Thanks for asking. Thanks for pushing back. Um, then, you know, the second is having it actually be recyclable, readily recyclable. And I say we do uh, We do sell 100% recycled poly mailers and those are, go into a thin film bin. So um, that's sort of acceptable within our parameters because there are some sort of carbon benefits to 100% recycled that we know some people need to access. Um, and then I will say we started to really delve into reusability. We have a reusable mail line out. So I say recyclable, but as much as you can make your package reusable first, that's what we sure. would prefer. So reuse. And then we talk a lot about um, using data, using lifecycle analysis to understand the carbon, the water footprint, et cetera, as we navigate decisions like um, paper versus plastic, as we navigate decisions like bioplastics and what is the role, is there any role of them? Um, as we think about natural biodegradability versus just compostability. So a couple of things that are part of then our framework is we design for, com- for recyclability, we do not design for compostability there's significant research out there that's like e-commerce packaging needs to be recycled there's no reason for it to be contaminating and like ruining our compost streams so Mm -hmm. we really focus on recyclability over compostability where people think their packaging might become litter we then drive them to naturally biodegradable solutions natural fibers like paper and things like that Um, and then you know we tread carefully with bioplastics but we certainly explore it We factor carbon in, but we know that if you just make a pure carbon based approach, you may not, you may, you may have may make the wrong decision. So we have this analysis that we do, but carbon is just one part of the equation. The other things that we do is we focus a lot on the little things I say, like we look at adhesives, we look at inks, we look at paper strength, things that like really help make the product overall more sustainable that a lot of other um, innovators might miss. And then the last is like a try to focus on a domestic supply chain so that your packaging is made in factories you can audit, people you can talk to, and that it's as close as possible to the end user.
1: Awesome. That's super interesting. And I, I want to throw one in that we didn't really talk about before the show. So I don't mean to put you on the spot Thank too you. much. But um I, I, you know, people, there's a kind of a joke going around the last couple of years about about paper straws. And right, it's like, okay, people don't want thousands and millions of of plastic straws ending up in the ocean, but They also want to be able to finish their drink without their straw, you know, straw, like disintegrating into the cup. So talk about, I guess, quality and how you maintain such a high quality quality. While doing all these things and focusing on all these things and being sustainable, um, and how important that is. Cause, and then I want to get into some of your projects. You you do a ton of custom work, which I think is really cool. And I want to go there next, but just curious, you know, do you have to sacrifice quality, uh, in order to be sustainable?
0: Um, well, the the paper, plastic straw, I'm going to leave that aside, but I'm going to use that as like an analogy for probably like this, the hardest question in e-commerce packaging today that we're trying to help grapple with or help companies work through that gets at your question. So it's going to be a roundabout way, but I promise I'm going to get there. Um, so we've had in the last, especially if this is plastic free July, so it's, we're getting a lot of questions like this, but in the last several years, we've gotten a lot of people, a lot of brands coming to us and saying. I've been using poly mailers or I've been using bubble mailers and I need to go plastic free. And so they say, okay, I need to. And then they say, okay, what is it going to take me to get plastic free? We work with them through the analysis and convince them that what they don't need is like a compostable PLA mailer that's worse for the environment. So that's sometimes where they think they want to go. And we say, no, that's not the right call. Then they're looking at paper. And so paper mailers, it's not as clear, it's not as obvious as the straw because it's like you're not sucking a liquid through a paper mailer, Um, but paper mailers are not gonna function as well as a poly mailer, right? Like it's paper, it's going to tear, if you happen to sit in a, if it happened to sit in a puddle, it would absorb the water. Though that doesn't usually happen to e-commerce packages. And so then we start to work with customers to say, let me help you choose. A, make sure the paper mailer is as much recycled content as possible, so you're not like cutting down old growth forests to make the single-use packaging. But then B, like let's figure out if we can create a paper blend and thickness that's going to have the lowest damage rate possible that you can deal with. And then we get there. And honestly, sometimes after a year of working with a brand, they're like, I'm not, this isn't okay. Like, you know, 1% or 0.1% of my orders are getting damaged or I'm getting customer complaints. And sometimes they're like, well, what do I do? And we do sometimes have to say, well, maybe you should look at a hundred percent recycled high post consumer waste content, poly mailer, which, Hmm. you know, especially if we can get, you know, to some level of reusability and we have a take back program where people can send the film back to us and we'll recycle it for them. And how do you encourage recycling? So we have been sort of navigating the murky steps of like, we're here with you and we want to make paperwork for you. But if you happen to have a bulky, heavy you know, like a big backpacks or something, you may find that it's not working or that the standards that your customers have for how perfect their packaging is when it gets to them isn't being met. And then we're going to maybe say, okay, well, plastic is indestructible. So can we find a way to do plastic as sustainably as possible? So I guess it's like, I, I think a lot of it is around expectations. Like if our customers yeah. were okay with the tear in their package, and the product was fine we should be able to do more paper more 100% recycled paper but certainly you lose quality how can you get to the best quality you can with a paper alternative and if you can't get there we're going to help you make you know circular packaging or circular plastic packaging work
1: super interesting it sounds like you do a lot more analysis than one might assume for your customers which i think is interesting and you have a, a lot of standard offerings <clears throat> on your website but you also do a lot of custom packaging it sounds like that's really a core part of your business so talk about some of your favorite projects uh, and maybe innovations that you've you know you've seen in the custom packaging side and if you can you know some of your favorite customers and, and projects that you've done? How
0: can you have me choose between all of my children? <laughs> 20,000 children. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I, um, there's so many, and I am going to just share some of the ones that I know that I'm like allowed to talk about <laughs> that there's no like NDA signed or anything like that. So, um, well, we, there's one that we talk about a lot they're called bedrock sandals and, uh, they're a really cool sandal brand. They're really focused on like adventuring and a minimalist footwear to adventure. And they're very committed to sustainability. And we started working with them, like I think six years ago. And um, around 2017, we had this, like we had this innovation. We started partnering with a company called Living Ink to create this Algae Ink. And Algae Ink was a completely uncommercialized and unusable and Bedrock was like, I want to use algae ink, like before we even could offer it. And they have this intricate, 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 beautiful sort of box design that's hand drawn, all these like adventure scenes. And they just like wanted it all to happen. They're like, I want my hundred percent recycled box. I want algae ink on it before anybody else. And they did it with like, it took them all. It took us a little while, but we were able to make the algae ink work. And then we've just, they've grown with us. So they were like doing 5,000 boxes a year when we first started working with them. I don't know, I'm guessing they do like 50,000 boxes a year today. So they've really been like a growth story for us as well. Um, And they've committed to constantly like finding ways to make their packaging better while still retaining like the brand values, the dis- gorgeous design, everything that sort of is still humbling and who they are. So they're awesome.
1: i Sound really like love. a good candidate for the podcast. So I might have to um, have you yes. make Let an introduction. Know. Follow there.
0: up after, because I would love to connect you with them. Um, and then Ritual Vitamins is like a brand that I oh, yeah. absolutely love um, women Owned or yeah, women run women owned. And they're just she's, I mean, I love that whole team. Like they're so passionate about what they do. They research every ingredient, you know, they find the right sources that go into their ingredients and they're like real. You get on the phone with them, and there's there's nothing is inauthentic. It's all like, yes, we actually are only using this particular input because it you know meets our transparency standards and things like that. And then when it comes to their you know, packaging, they were an interesting one because, you know, I think in an ideal from a branding perspective, they would love their mailers to be white and uh, white mailer is like a white, a white paper in, in the packaging world means virgin content. So it doesn't mean it's all virgin, but it does mean that it has to have some virgin content. And so they were, you know, there was like a little bit of, I'm sure there was an impasse internally of like white is sort of core to our brand, recycled is core to our values um, mm-hmm. and ultimately they made the decision to go with the craft sort of 100 recycled became more important to them and they were able to deliver this like gorgeous padded mailer experience that stayed true to their values and I think a lot of brands particularly at the caliber of ritual made, have made different decisions so I, I just find them to be that that really inspired me and makes me excited to just continue building our relationship with them.
1: Awesome. Well, I shared with Saloni before the episode started that my wife is pregnant with our second child and uh, we get a lot of those padded, recycled ritual mailers uh, at our house right now. So once a month, the the prenatals come and and we have a lot of good things to say about ritual as well. So that's cool. I didn't know they were a customer yeah um so let's like move into the market. We've kind of touched on it and actually, I hadn't thought of this until this episode when I was sort of taking notes and and kind of preparing for this episode. We talk a lot in business about you know th- whoever gets the verb, right? Google it. you know, they got the verb. Um, and I thought of a new verb that that I hadn't really ever thought about out loud before. It's the Lulu bag, right? So Lulu like Lulu bag is like a verb in my, it's like, oh, just throw it in a Lulu bag. And so um, I thought that was interesting and kind of played well. I mean, they decided a long time ago, right. That they were going to go with these obviously more expensive, but reusable yeah. um, bags. And I guess just talk a little bit about the the marketing and the impact that this type of sustainable and recycled. Um, You've touched on it with some of the clients as we gone, but from your, from your perspective, you know, what's the marketing impact of using eco-friendly packaging?
0: Yeah. And I'd even argue like the ritual mailer in some ways has become like a thing, Some you know, if you're in the ritual community, you could talk about. So they may have been making strides in that area as well. Um, I love that analogy, by the way. Um, Yeah. So I, I, when I think about marketing and sustainable packaging, like I see that they're almost like bifurcated into two sections. Like the first is like, don't screw up your packaging because then you get negative backlash, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a company that's like, you know, even if you're Amazon, right, all this successive packaging and the amount of negative backlash they got because they weren't thinking about it. Um, and there's many, many examples of brands who like, Prop- like put on their website, like I care so much about everything. And then if they ship it in like a virgin unrecyclable mailer, I think their customers are like, there's some discord there that they can't mm-hmm. really reconcile with. And then they're not going to reorder or worse post something negative on social media. I think that's pretty easy to rectify. And frankly, you could probably rectify it with some greenwashing. Like if you just put on your, your mailer, like this is curbside recyclable and you're made one statement about it, like a brand can sort of get over the negative mm-hmm. backlash But then I think where you're going, which is like, how can you innovate with your packaging from a sustainability lens that can actually catapult your brand forward? And that's where I get most excited. And so, you know, I I think it's a lot about like, um, can you be on the cutting edge of something and share that information with your customers so that they feel like they're part of that movement just by shopping with you? And so like a couple examples, um, and I'll be honest that we didn't do this for Prana, but it's like, we work closely with Prana, um, love these guys, but they have, um, they were like probably the most vocal advocate of trying to figure out how to, um, replace the clear poly bag that holds, like, if you, if, if you're a apparel brand, you may, you probably manufacture all of your, your clothing in Asia. And so in those factories, they're going to put each article of clothing in a clear plastic bag. That's mm-hmm. you know, typically virgin. And ultimately, if you order something online, it comes to you in a, in a mailer and you open that mailer and it has that clear poly bag in it. That's like been a problem for the apparel companies. And Prana has was probably one of the first to experiment with moving to like a translucent paper bag. Mm -hmm. And they were really honest. Like, we don't know if this is going to work. This is a, I think it says like, this is a test, like on the actual bag and they have it. If you see any of their stores, they have it in their stores. So they really leveraged that as like, we're trying to be at the forefront of this. We're also trying to engage our customers in this and like, We're not going to lie to you that we know this is going to work, but we're doing what we can and we want you to be part of that. That's probably one example of like, okay, people are trying something new. Another example is we just launched a a reusable mailer where like it's, you know, it's 100% recycled, like polypropylene, like almost like a reusable, like the Lululemon bag, right? Like a reusable shopper. And yeah. if you're a, a clothing subscription brand, it's a, it's a good idea, right? Cause you're getting a bunch of clothes to your customers and they are shipping them back to you. So we've got like our more style as a company, that's like a clothing rental subscription. And they're going to be one of the first brands to, to try this re-enclosed mailer. And they're just doing 500. They're going to ask their pilot group of customers to engage and tell us how it worked. And yeah. I think like the more you can do to innovate and then tell your customers and actually like make them feel like they're part of the journey with you, I think goes a long way at like just making people feel like they're making some positive change when positive change does not feel like it's happening around us.
1: Definitely. It's super interesting. And if you go back to the very beginning of the podcast, one of our first episodes, I was with a guy named Jeff Fromm, who's a, a friend and a really smart Guy and works at Barclays and the marketing world, and he talks about how the customer is discerning, and for an extra dollar or an extra fifty cents or an extra two dollars, they will make that choice that makes them feel better uh, about purchasing something. And I think that's a relatively new phenomenon in the last you know ten or however many years, but something that definitely seems to be growing. And I definitely notice, I think, a lot more than I used to. You know, of course, you notice more the bad packaging, which goes back to your first point, which is like don't mess it up, right? But also notice more now when when folks are doing things to be different or sort of making strides to be sustainable. You're seeing a lot more diversity, I guess, in packaging. Um, You know, just from stuff that you order online and and shows up to your house. So it's really interesting um, to have this conversation and. So I want to shift gears a little bit. We touched on this a little bit, um, compostability versus recyclable. Um, And we talk a lot about compost. And I always do kind of find it interesting that, you know, they say wet paper towels can go in the compost (laughs) or like soaked cardboard or whatever. So I guess dive a little bit deeper into sort of the negatives of that. um, And how do you, you know, does EcoEnclose approach uh, this topic about yes. compostable and biodegradable and recyclable.
0: Oh my God. i like to just unpack everything. Um, <laughs> I will first start out by saying I'm like a k- tremendous like lover and supporter and advocate of composting. So I know mm-hmm. on anybody to think that I'm not, I have a you know, background in sustainable agriculture an avid composter at home. I'm also on the board of our local waste management company, which is EcoCycle, and we're closely with them on like their composting initiative. So composting mm-hmm. is like, I mean, you can't even tell you how essential it is to like landfill diversion and the future of the world. Um, what, where I think what happened is that the whole like, society sort of started recognizing this and this is composting is the end of life for our leaves, for all of that food waste that hopefully we don't make as much of, but we can. You know, as when we do make it, it goes into composting um, before it goes into the landfill. There's, you know, if you look at landfill, like the landfill waste sort of breakdown, so much of it is organic waste that should be composted. And so that is where composting should live. I think what then happened is that people started seeing composting as like the silver bullet, like, oh, composting is perfect. It, it goes away. And then mm-hmm. people started designing bioplastics for compostability and saying, well, we should also compost our packaging. And what I've learned in working closely with, especially our local composter, A1 Organics, is that and that they don't want your bioplastics, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, if anybody who runs a composting at home knows that there's like a particular amount of like greens and browns that you need in there and like all bioplastic does is sort of like mess it up and like it creates wetness. It also introduces like inks and adhesives and stuff that are just contaminants. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like if the whole world moved to compostable packaging, we're going to destroy our composting system, which mm-hmm. if we do it well, is going to be a huge boon to our the future of sustainability. So what I really do is like caution people against like designing their e-commerce clean packaging for compostability, when in fact, by recycling it, you're more quickly making it back into something else. Mm-hmm. And that's so key. You know, I think recycling has come under I think a lot of unfair backlash in the last um, five years, three years in particular since the China sword policy went into place, which um, made that made it so China was like rejecting a lot of the types of recycling that we have historically sent to them. And so people were like, "Oh, recycling's a myth and it's a lie and it's just the plastics company telling you not to do it." But actually, you know, somebody who spends like, a lot of time at the MRF uh, and understanding like how recycling works, like recycling is uh, also a key to our future because when you have goods that can be returned into something else, like if you have packaging that can be turned into packaging within a couple months, like that is of course the answer. Um, and so, just I think we need to, as a society, right? Like something works well, and everybody wants to like make it the silver bullet that is the future. And really, what we need is like a balance, right? Like we want a world where forty percent of our waste is organic and it goes into the compost bin, and that compost is strong and it, it you know, it enriches our soils. And then the rest of our waste can be recycled and is recycled back into itself.
1: Awesome! I love it. You're touching on so many topics that we talk about on the podcast. So. Um... This just an awesome conversation. I love and, it. Um, really appreciate that. We're in the organic fertilizer business. I don't know if you know that. I did. I we saw that. We turn food fruit waste that. into fertilizer. So it sounds like you have a background in that. Maybe I should bring you back on the show uh, <laughs> well, I mean, to talk about know, sustainable right? like ag. I-
0: In Portland, you probably know this, like the, the bio or the composters across the state of Portland or the state of Oregon, sorry, um, rejected, they, they to put a ban on bioplastics because they found that if you have bioplastics in your compost, you can't sell it to organic farmers. Right. And so, yeah, it's a,
1: it's a huge issue. You know, we deal with in our plant in California, we have a food waste digester and, um, you know, you have to be, Uh, really rigid and and rigorous Mm -hmm. about making sure that bioplastics aren't coming into there, especially because we do produce that fertilizer on the back end. And obviously we don't want organic fertilizer with bioplastics in it. So um, yeah, it's something that's super important to our process and our business and um, love that you're touching on that. So I have to ask the cliche question as we kind of wrap up here. It's become cliche, COVID, we're still talking about COVID. Talk about just how COVID is sort of, um, I mean, there's more, it's now it's like COVID, supply chain, inflation, (laughs) you know, throw it all out there. Um, How has it impacted your business? Is it helping, hurting? Uh, Talk a little bit about some of the current challenges, I guess, that, that you face.
0: Yeah. It's been interesting, you know, to her recently, like we now look back and we know like who were the, what were the industries that were like the COVID darlings, like, right. That like thrived in COVID and which ones didn't like, we were certainly much more in the, or e-commerce was in the camp of the darling industry. Right. So um, e-commerce blew up during COVID, which means that a little bit, a little bit of a lag on it, but we also grew quite a bit during COVID and to grow so rapidly is just insanely hard. I think like as to run a warehouse, to run, you know, production workers during COVID at a time where we needed them more than ever, but needed to give them social distancing and needed to give them, you know, had, you know, of course gave them like unlimited PTO, like, you know, economically balancing that with like just your, like, I, I love my warehouse workers. They're like my family members. And like, how do we treat them well? How do we protect their families? But like, I also need to get a, an order out to a customer because they're yelling at me. So that yeah. was both hard, but like looking back, right, a privilege to be one of the types of companies that grew during COVID. I think what's been interesting is actually now, like if you see the graphs of the COVID darlings, like we're not exactly like it, but we're not far off where it's like, you're growing, you're growing, growing like a huge spike. And then you come down. And you go back to your normal growth trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. So we're still on like, you know, the growth trajectory that if you had asked me six years ago, I would have been like, this is an amazing growth trajectory. We're still on it. But the problem is companies had to invest heavily in like equipment, infrastructure to manage the COVID spike. And now we, some of us don't need all of that anymore because we're sort of back sure. down to our normal growth level. So I think at this stage, we're sort of now trying to understand what the, non-COVID future looks like particularly if the future has a recession and continued like labor shortages and stuff and sort of planning for that and I will always feel a lot of privilege that I wasn't one of the businesses that went down during COVID but I think the uh, the opposite is also an interesting challenge for businesses to work through.
1: Definitely. Well, speaking of privileged, I feel very privileged to have had you on the show. This has been such a a great conversation and really look forward to following along uh, Eco Enclosed and your company's journey going forward. It sounds like, you know, you've obviously built something great and I look forward to keeping in touch and hearing more about your successes. So don't be a stranger. Maybe you'll come back on uh, next season and, and give us an update before we sign off, though, um, just tell our listeners and viewers how they can find out more. Maybe somebody needs some custom packaging that's listening to this episode. Um, how can we find Eco Enclose online and stay in touch?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, our website is ecoenclose.com. So you could see a lot of research that we've done there. If you just want to geek out on sustainability and packaging, as well as also find all of our packaging options that are stock. And then if you're ever interested in something custom or just like, frankly, I have no idea what you need and you just need a thought partner um, just email our customer service team at hello at ecoenclosed.com. And we absolutely love just dialoguing and talking people through it. And then my email is Saloni, S-A-L-O-N-I at ecoenclosed.com. So if anybody just ever wants to be in touch, I hope you'll reach out.
1: Awesome. Thank you 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 again, Saloni. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Uh, And thank you to our listeners and viewers who make this possible. This has been another episode of Renewables. I hope you'll follow our podcast and continue listening. We have a lot of awesome uh, episodes coming up, including um, episodes touching on two or three topics that we discussed today. So perfect segue. And uh, this has been another episode of Renewables with Saloni Doshi, CEO of and Chief Sustainability Geek at Eco Enclose. Thanks, Saloni. We'll talk soon.
0: Thanks, David. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America.